So this week we continued our study on kill the spider. And last week we looked at the idea that in order to understand how to kill the spider, we have to understand that the spider is any lie that we have bought into in our lives that is not true about ourselves, about our culture. Um, and that the cobwebs are those things that stem from those lies that we believe. And that so often we have become a people of, of clearing out the cobwebs in our lives without doing the real hard work of digging deep and seeing what those spiders are, what those lies are that we have believed that cause us to act in such a manner and that we are called to kill the spiders. And, and so the, this week we looked at the idea of, of scars. And um, if you were to look at my hands, I've got scars from, from different things. Um, I've got a very interesting scar on my pinky from when I worked at McAllister's and it got caught in a meat slicer. That's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But the, we looked at the idea that scars carry stories. Scars tell our stories. Um, and not only physical scars, but also uh, the emotional scars that we carry, those scars that are on our heart that no one else knows about, that no one else sees, that no one else may even hear about. Those, those scars of heartbreak and betrayal, of abuse, addiction, and loss that sit and weigh on our hearts. These scars that no one sees or knows shape the life that we live and lead that everyone sees. And the story um, that our life tells. So, what, so we had to ask the question to begin with, what are those scars that you carry? Because it, because it is there that a spider named shame can spin its web so deeply. And before we even got started on the idea of shame, we needed to understand this about shame, that shame feeds on our need for connection. Um, shame means nothing that if we don't desire to be seen and known. You see, but, but the reality is that we are all created for connection. And this is true of everyone. In Genesis 1.26, we hear, God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. From jump, from, this tells us from the jump, from the very beginning, God created us with a divine connectedness to God's self. Um, something different about God's creation. We have something different within us about God's creation. God created that something different within us than he did over any other connection, over any other creation. And in, in Genesis 2.18, it continues because we begin to look at this idea that the Lord God said, it is not right for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helpmate for him. Connection is a part of what it means to be fully alive, and, to, and connection is why we are here. Uh, and, and on a side note, that was, this is one of those personal beliefs, that this is why social media can be so dangerous, because we believe that we are forming connection, when what we are forming is anything but true and authentic connection. But also why social media can be helpful if we are using it right to, to create, or not even to create, but to empower the connections which we have already created. But when we get this, we start to realize that shame and its strategies, its powers become more abundantly clear if, that if we are created for connection, 
then shame is the fear of disconnection. The thought of that if we only knew this, if people knew this about me, then I would no longer belong. If they, if they knew what I did or the struggles that I have or my thoughts or my doubts, then, then that I would no longer fit in. I would be disconnected from the group. You see, shame takes a scar and convinces you that it is the truest story of who you are. It convinces you that you are no longer worthy of being loved and belonging because of what you have done. And I do want to take a moment to, to point out that there's a difference in this idea of guilt and shame. I think we often hear this idea of guilt and shame being synonymous. But guilt is this idea of I broke a moral code. I did something wrong, and I feel bad because I broke it, because I did that. Guilt says, I did something bad, where shame tells us, I am bad. Guilt says, I made a mistake, where shame says, you are the mistake. Guilt can be helpful, as we hear in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, it says, even I caused you sorrow by my letter. I do not regret it, though. I did not, I did regret, though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. So you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. And this is the idea of guilt. That's the thing that when we hear things, when we hear what should be done, that we can find ourselves feeling sorrowful for what we have done, but it causes us to repent and to turn to God. It says in verse 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. That is guilt. Um, not, but worldly sorrow brings death. And this is the idea of shame where, where we find ourselves so shameful of what we have done that we recluse away from the entire world, which leads us to this idea of death in, in the eyes of God. And Brene Brown, um, one of, a great author, has said that the only difference in those that do and do not find love and belonging is their belief that they are worthy because you're always building what you believe. And so if you believe that you are worthy of love, then you, are, then you will find yourself in love. But shame convinces us that we are unworthy and leads us to solitude and silence. It, can, it, believes, it causes us to say things like, I can handle it, I can deal with it alone, I've got this, no, because no one else would understand. But the irony of all of this is that as we are pushed into, I can do it all by myself, we don't talk about it, and therefore we experience more shame. This is that story that we hear in Genesis 3, where we jump in and we look in verses 1 through 5, and it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God made him, made, and he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden, but God, but God did say, you must not eat from that tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not, in the, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the spiders haven't changed. The, the first tactic that we see take place through the serpent is that, it's not important to warp your behavior, but it is important to warp what you believe. And so, God, so the serpent goes about 
the attacking Eve in that manner, saying, it's not, I'm not going to change what you do. I'm going to change in which, the way in which you think. And, that's the, and that will change everything for you. And in verse 6, we hear that the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So you see, this is where we see the beginning of the spider. That, that Eve heard this and was convinced that she, uh, that this was good. And she came into agreement with what it was that the serpent had told her. But in verse 7 it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And this is where we see them feeling shame. Shame didn't go didn't go towards what they did it went towards them it went in for the kill shame convinced them that that who they were was the problem and we see that they they feel shame and it does this they did the same thing that we have a tendency to do we feel shame they covered up they tried to cover an inward shame with an outward solution when i when we're asked this happens so often in our world. When we're asked, how are you? Or when we, somebody greets us, we, we use outward indicators to prove our inward health. Meaning we look at it and we say, I'm good because the family's doing great. I'm good. I just got a promotion. I'm good because I aced my test. But the reality is that inside we are shameful. And, and the second move that we see from the, from, about shame is this. In verses 8 and 9, it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out, Where are you? And, and I think this is always so interesting that they're trying to hide from God, the all-knower, all-powerful. And, and, but God says, they hid, and it says, God asked, where are you? And I don't think that God, in this instance, is asking a geographical location. But I think what God is asking is, is how did we get where we are? How did we get here? This idea of where are you is like, how did you end up in that spot? And Adam's response shows us this. He says. Uh, because God, who's all-knowing, didn't really need to know what was going on, but the question was for Adam and Eve. It was not for God's understanding. It was for Adam and Eve because they could be healed, but they had to come out of hiding. Adam's response that we're about to hear is very interesting, but they had to be willing to come out of hiding to break their silence because healing can only happen after honesty. And this story is our story because the only way to battle shame is through vulnerability. The only way um, to battle shame is if shame is, because if shame is the fear of being disconnected, vulnerability is allowing yourself to be seen. It's coming out of the hiding and the cover-up. And, and this can be scary. It's the birthplace of joy wonder, healing, creativity, which is that empowerment that we need to be able to be vulnerable. But because it's scary and difficult, we so often don't desire to be vulnerable. And, and this is the issue in our world, in our society, 
that we that we find ourselves in that we that we find ourselves playing this game of I'm okay and not willing to divulge our true issues because in Adam's answer whenever God asked where are you he answered I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid and he said who told you you were naked have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man, and, and, and Adam immediately does what we all have a tendency to do. So, but Adam jumps out and he says, I, I, was, I was ashamed. I had shame in my life. God, I'm ashamed of what I've done, but I have to, but now I'm, I'm going to open up, be vulnerable, and expose my shame. To which God looks at him and goes, but that's not who you are. Who told you this lie? And why did you start to believe it? And, 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 and you, it's so funny because you see Adam do the heart work and he says, well, the woman, she did it. And, and the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. So what happens is Adam's going, well, this is who told me the lie. This is where it came from. But we had to go deeper and God had to say, well, who told you the lie? And she says, the serpent deceived me. And the God, obviously, as we know, ends up cursing the serpent. But, but this is where we are. And, and, and so often we find ourselves um, looking down the path of vulnerability, but we often seek the reward without going down the path because we'd rather, we do things like this, we, get, we numb the pain. We numb whatever our issues are. Because, but we, we try to do it and be selective in what we numb. But you can't be selective in what you numb. You can't just numb the pain, the fear, and the anxiety because when you find yourself using things or doing things to numb your feelings um, and certain things, you numb everything. And then you are mad because you numbed what you needed the most, that, that joy, that peace, that love. And so, what you, so you get frustrated at that. You become shameful of how you've numbed, and then it becomes a cycle. Or number two, we make uncertain things certain. Instead of saying that I don't know it all, instead of saying I need help, um, we become defensive and we say, I, I'm right, you're wrong, just shut up. I know what I'm doing. And we do this just because it's quote unquote easier for us to do. But the reality is, is what happens is we become more shameful because then we start telling people I know what I'm doing. And the reality is, is we don't, but we've bought into this lie so much that we cover it up and we continue to hide. Or one that I'm guilty of, we perfect it. Instead of allowing ourselves to see and to be seen as imperfect, as imperfect, we try to project an image of perfection. I've got it all figured out. But it's only through vulnerability that we can be free. And, and the idea of, of vulnerability is that it takes courage. Because when we numb or when we make uncertain things certain or when we perfect, all we are doing is burying that shame deeper and deeper to where it's harder and harder to expose. But it takes courage to say, God, I have done wrong. I'm ashamed of what I've done. To step out of the bushes and say, God, help me to kill this spider. It takes courage. And it's so interesting that, uh, because courage comes from the Latin word uh, core, meaning heart. So the original meaning of the idea of courage was that it was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. 
So my challenge for us as we look at this idea of shame and killing the spider of shame through our idea of vulnerability is to be courageous as we tell our story with our whole heart, to be open and vulnerable to God. And hopefully that will give us the strength and the courage to be open and vulnerable with one another that we may share in our, heart, in our hurts and our doubts and our fears, that we may be a more authentic church. As we, were, as we are called to remember that, that we are not to be ashamed, but that we are made whole through the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And we ought to always remember that the best of all is God is with us. Amen and amen. God bless you.